back again with another Awakened in 10 podcast. Um, I feel a bit nervous today for some reason. Um, I don't know why, but we have a guest on and uh, it's been been a while since I talked to people because I've been inside now because of this coronavirus. But um, hello, Chris. <laughs> and uh, how are you doing in Mexico? Is, all, is it good over there? It's It's wonderful. Um, I have no complaints. It's well, yeah. glad to hear. Um, good to have you and your your nervous energy here today. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So uh, we have a guest on today, which is great. And she yes. is also from Sweden. I think we should introduce her right away since it doesn't feel as much, much else to say. Um, Rebecca, hello and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jesper. It's nice to be here. <laughs> it's really nice to have I'm you. I'm also nervous. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, that's nice. Then we have a lot of nervous energy today. <laughs> exactly. I don't know why. Maybe it's just the energy around the world. It's affecting us all. Maybe. I think so. Yeah. Um, so you want to tell us a little bit about yourself before we, we jump into the questions? Um, sure. So my name is Rebecca and I'm turning 38 soon and I live in Gothenburg in Sweden. Uh, I would describe myself, I think, as an emotional thinker who's practicing coming down more in my body, not staying in my brain so much. And um, I'm very curious about life and our existence exploring new places and cultures and yeah I'm just interested in life in general mm. and I've also been dealing with an illness called ME-CFS or chronic fatigue syndrome for 19 years now and that has of course affected my life in many ways so you could say I've been on a very long recovery journey um, a journey back to my true self. So I'm super excited to be here. And as I said, <laughs> I'm pretty nervous. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm very grateful for this opportunity. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing all of that. Mm. Yeah. So maybe I should just get going with the questions, right? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, let's, let's do it. I, I think Jesper's sitting this one out again. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm actually writing stuff down. Um, last time it got a little bit, <laughs> a little bit much for me, but I'm gonna. Um, I already started writing things down. So when you have uh, asked all of your questions, or when you feel like you're out of questions, I'm just gonna um, ask you some questions, Rebecca, and also Chris, and hopefully you can tie the bag on on everything we've talked about. So mm -hmm. yeah, so just um, do your thing, and I'll I'll be in the background. Cool. Okay, great. So yeah, Rebecca, whenever you'd like to start, you can you can just kind of go into whatever feels feels natural for you. Yeah. Yeah, and no Thank pressure you. here. There's there's no <laughs> right or wrong questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. So um my first questions are about health and energy. So um I have my own theories of why I got this illness or these symptoms 
Mm. Um, but what are your thoughts, Chris, on these types of illnesses that include this extreme lack of energy? I'm thinking since we're made of energy, how can we experience a lack? Like, is it just blockages or what do you think? So when it comes to health, I mean, there's so many areas and facets to all of this. And saying that this thing is this one thing, um, where yes, there can be truth to that. And it can be that simple. I feel that it can be a, a culmination of different factors, lifestyle factors, environmental factors, uh, also how you work or as we work as individuals, just how we're kind of put together. Um, one of the the biggest things that I see in terms of these types of illnesses, the immunity disorders, the chronic fatigue syndromes, these things that Western medicine really doesn't understand, so it just gives it a name and, and tries its best to, to help people with it. I feel a lot of this comes from the environment that we're in, the electrical pollution, the uh, different forms of toxins that are in the air now that weren't necessarily there before. I feel a huge part of it is EMF, uh, radio waves, these things that really are not good for us on a, on a cellular level and actually fry us on a DNA level. Um, mm. And it's almost the kind of the canary in the coal mine situation where most people won't feel the effects, but then there's rare ones that are so sensitive in certain ways that they really are impacted by these things. Uh, for me, as an example, if I, I'm near Wi-Fi, I feel the Wi-Fi. If I'm near a smart meter, I feel the electricity box. If I'm in a place where there's loads of mobile phones or fluorescent lighting, I'll feel that in my body. And if I was to be around that for too long, I wouldn't feel very good. So mm. alongside with that, then there's what you're eating, what you're putting into your body, how you're thinking, just your general belief systems around life. And yeah, I would say you're very correct in a sense that all of this is about the blocking of energy, the lack of circulation of energy, and how we are bracing and tensing in the body on a micro and a macro level in ways that may not be just superficially seen, but, but really clenching down into the blood vessels, down into the, the more delicate, more subtle aspects of our body and the energetic body. And then we can tie in emotions into this past trauma that hasn't been released in the body and or released from the body. And now it's sitting in there as almost stagnant heat, cooling in different areas, shutting the energy down more and more and more. So my way of understanding, as I said, is it's not just one thing that is responsible. It's probably the fact that uh, in most areas, life has become very unnatural. And our bodies, which are of nature, then start to suffer from this. Mm. And then the other part of it is, you know, what does it mean to have energy? What does that even mean? What, what does it mean to you as an individual? Because someone could come to me and they could say, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. And I could look at them and go, you're not tired or exhausted at all. It's in your mind. You just have a different understanding of what you think you need to feel in order to accomplish things in this life that you don't actually want to do. 
it's good that someone feels tired and gets a headache and needs to sit down when they're trying to force themselves over and over and over again to engage with a job or a role or a situation that is not intended for them. That's the body saving our ass. Mm. It's just how I see it. So it really depends on how we're relating to all of this. I could say I'm tired or I could say I'm lazy or I could say I'm relaxed. Tiredness comes when I'm fighting. Fatigue comes when I'm fighting what I'm feeling. What if, if we were to remove the term fatigue, if we were to remove the relationship with how you're feeling and remove that word from it and just say, I'm feeling this and my life is about honoring what I'm feeling right now, rather than looking at what I'm feeling, looking at other people who don't feel what I feel and saying, why do I not function like everybody else? Because it was never intended for you to function like everybody else. Mm. So that's the other part. We, we, we get so brainwashed into how we assume we should feel inside. And we are so gripped up in comparisons that then we start to feel sick. Or we tell ourselves that we're sick. Or oh, Maybe your life is about laying down and, and stretching and yawning and being fed grapes and enjoying that. Like, <laughs> Yeah, there's no animal yeah. chronic fatigue because animals just lay down when they want to lay down. Humans don't because of all the expectation that we put on ourselves. Mm. So what if life was not meant to be the way that we have been convinced that life is supposed to be? So <laughs> again, there's, mm. there's many sides of this. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why it's been so difficult for me because I've been focusing on so many things and I've done a lot of inner work and, you know, trauma healing and stuff like that. And it's like, why am I not feeling better or why don't I have more energy? And I'm still trying to find, I guess, more... Um, not answers, but just to get more keys to the, or another piece of the puzzle somehow. Um, and it's very easy to get caught up in this whole search for something. Mm -hmm. um, that I'm not enough the way I am, that I have to change and be someone else who is different. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I agree with what you say about um, that we can't all be the same way and maybe we're not supposed to live like this. Yeah. Yeah. And listening to our body and how it's feeling, not because there's something wrong with it, but because this is what shows us how to live our life in alignment and in accordance with our own individual design. I just feel like I have worked so much on acceptance of, of what is and accepting myself the way I am. And I'm thinking, well, I could be like the first hundred year old with a world record in watching Netflix TV shows or something. <laughs> <laughs> But like, I feel like I have more to offer the world than just lie on my couch watching TV shows. Mm -hmm. And that's where, um, 
it doesn't really feel good to me because I don't feel like I can give what I want to give to the world. Mm-hmm. But first you need to be able to give that to yourself. Yeah. So, you know, even get up and move in the direction of where you want to go. And then 10 minutes in, lay down. You take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> get back up and continue. And then your body's like, oh, we need to lay down again. Honor it. Lay down. Take a nap. Take a weight off. It mm. might take you much longer to get there. But you'll get there and you'll get there fulfilled. You'll get there nourished. You'll get there taken care of. Mm. It's not that you have no energy. Because I feel you when I'm speaking with you. This is what I do and this is what I've done for many years. I work with energy and I feel your energy. So you have energy. Mm. It's just you need to learn how it moves in you. You need to learn how to navigate with it without blaming it or wishing you had it be a different way. And I know this is probably a lot of the work that you've done in terms of the acceptance, but... As I said, I would really love to see you choosing to still move in the direction of all the things you want to move in. But just every time your body says, sit down, just sit down. Yeah, I've been really been struggling with boundaries throughout my life. And this is um, what will really fatigue you. Yeah. You, you need to observe, observe animals. <laughs> look at the cat, look at the dog. Look at the lazy dog. <laughs> Let that be your guru. <laughs> yeah. That dog will run around and run around frantically for 10 or 15 minutes chasing all the balls, and then that dog will collapse, and it will just sleep until it's ready to get back up and chase more balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. You're just a part of a broken system. Mm. yeah that's what I'm trying to tell myself as well that there's nothing wrong with me because we are all whole it's like at the core we're all whole it's just um, some weird images we get from the society that we have to be in a certain way yeah Um, but I have a question around movement and exercising. Um, since that, that's a crucial part for optimum health to be to be moving, but it's pretty hard with ME because you get worse um, if you just overdo it a little bit and then you have to pay for it for days or for some people it's even weeks or months. Yeah. Um, and for me, at the point where I'm now, I can only do a few yoga postures without getting worse but I also do your Qigong every morning plus Wim Hof breath work okay. and um, I receive massages on a weekly basis from a friend including Yoni massages mm-hmm. um, but is there something else I can do I mean physically too. well I, I I was going to ask you how do you feel after the Wim Hof the 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 breath work stuff because I feel like that could be far too young for you and that it's far too young for most people to be doing consistently because it can be very draining Hmm. so you know let your body decide on that one yeah i think actually i feel it gives me energy okay good 
you could always do do an experiment with it where you know for a week you do your qigong and and your other things that you do minus that breathing and then note how you feel and then the next week do everything with the breathing yeah and if you can keep track of it a little bit yeah I'm I'm wondering sometimes if the blockages are cuz what I've understood is like different types of energy like qi or jing is it called mm-hmm. um would you say that the blockages can be in different energy systems of course okay of course but when when I say blockage it's more about Speaking about the physical system, the organ system, the the circulatory system, rather than speaking of blockage in the jing or blockage in the qi, I'm speaking about how it manifests on a physical level. Mm. Because blockage in the jing, it, it doesn't really mean anything because jing is just jing. The blockage is happening in the physicality the blockage is happening and how that energy is moving through through the body if you had a blockage in your jing you'd probably be be very very ill and like ready to just die <laughs> ready to be leaving oh, okay. <laughs> yeah you're still here so you you have a surplus of jing available okay yeah yeah okay um and, you know, the last so, thing I'd want to speak to you about would be medical protocols and, and because I know you've you've went into those so in-depthly and you've probably experimented and tried out many, every which way of, of supplements and all these things that you could get your hands on. Um, so, yeah, I don't feel like that's a necessity for you in this moment. Mm. Yeah, I was just going to ask you if there's something nutrition-wise that supports energy in a better way because I've I've been vegetarian and then vegan for a total of like 19 years, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that helps me when it comes to my health. So I've tried some meat the last couple of months, but it feels so wrong ethically and um, especially when I'm thinking about the slaughterhouses. Okay, can could you eat it without thinking about the slaughterhouses? <laughs> <laughs> without making yourself into a demon as you as you eat this? Yeah, I mean I, I don't think about it when I eat it, but between the meals I think mm-hmm. about it. And I feel so strongly with animals and I've always been like very sensitive and empathetic. Uh-huh. And which is why like, you need some density to you. Ah. Uh, which is why you need some density. Mm. All of those plants and you know, all those what people call high vibe foods or high vibrational foods, they're great for a specific function. Um, and I'm, I'm really never telling anybody just to be any type of diet or just to eat something and never to eat anything. I'm only concerned with what our system needs in the measurement that it needs it and when it needs it in that way. Mm. For most people, in, just in terms of clinic, in acupuncture, and when, when patients come to me with autoimmune issues, many of them have been vegan or raw vegan or fructarians or, or these very extreme diets 
for quite a long time. And I'm, I'm not for or against meat eating. I'm not for or against whole foods or anything. I, I, I'm more concerned with what the person needs in order to feel alive and healthy and strong and able to be here in their life. But when these people come to me who have been very committed to vegan lifestyle and I'm seeing how blood deficient they are from this lifestyle, I'm immediately urging them to start eating eggs, to start eating fish at least, just to experiment with it. And see how that starts to feel, you know, try chicken, try meat, if that's what you want to have. I don't eat those things, but if I needed to, I would. Yeah, I'll eat eggs, I'll eat fish. When I need to, I will. But the whole thing with you right now is if you were to go in and do that, now you have all of this stuff going on in your head that all the slaughterhouses and the animals and the death and here I am partaking in it, that is going to cause you more distress and more energy leakage than anything. Yeah. Because you, you, you won't allow your body to, to digest it, to assimilate it, because there will be so much fear and shame going on behind it. I would really uh, love to see you be more loving with yourself in this regard and realize that nature is not vegan. Nature, the animal kingdom is the animal kingdom and we are animals and it functions accordingly. Nature is not cutesy. Nature is not fair. Life comes and goes and it's a cycle. And we have to honor that. Mm rather than getting so up on ourselves and on the ethics of everything that now we start to suffer and wither away. Yeah, I think that was actually um, the main reason I decided to, to try meat. I think it was in August the first time because mm-hmm. I just had this insight, like, why am I putting others in front of myself? Like, mm-hmm. Why are their lives more important than my life? And I just realized that that's how I've been living my entire life. I've always put other people's feelings before my own and um, their well-being. So, um, but I... Just eat, yeah. just start eating it and feeling how you feel when you eat it. Not, a, not emotionally or ethically, but just from a physicality and an energetic space. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I want to be able to listen to my body and what it tells me, but it's really hard when I've been for more than 20 years <laughs> thinking about it in a certain way. Like, I don't think my body would even tell me that it wants me now. Of course. <laughs> so, it, listen, it, it, took me, it took me about three and a half years to eat eggs again. Oh, okay. <laughs> for, for three years, my body was asking for eggs. And I'm like, oh, it couldn't possibly be asking for eggs because eggs aren't vegan. <laughs> and I remember the first time I sat down and had, you know, one of those disgusting eggs that come out of chickens' butts that are all horrible and hormoned and all that stuff that people say. I had that egg and it's like the light went on <laughs> inside of my body. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I get it now. <laughs> mm. So no judgment, just experiment and realize life is here to nourish life. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. It's just that my since I'm very good at thinking, my brain tells me that well, even though we are animal animals, we can still decide because we have another type of consciousness and we still have other foods to choose from compared to animals. Yeah, and that's why we're so sick. Mm. Animals don't have that luxury. Yeah. They just follow their instinct. We're the only animals that can be so deeply out of alignment with ourselves. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, start putting yourself first and you know, be all the selfish things if that's what you need to do just to be able to have the energy you need. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I just, oh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to go against it, but I, I do want to be able to live my life to the fullest. Like I see my life as a gift, so I want to be able to make the most out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right now you're probably very malnourished. Mm. So it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I can't help anyone if I'm not feeling good, so... Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Okay, so I'm going to go to the next question then. Mm-hmm. Um I haven't worked now for about three years and um, being this isolated, it's almost like the coronavirus, what it does to other people. (laughs) It's been the same for me for three years. Um, I've been at home most of the time and it has really made me like face myself in a way I don't believe many people get to do. And it's like your identity disappears and many external things don't seem to matter that much anymore. And um, sometimes I just miss feeling attractive or that physical things do matter. Um, So do you have any thoughts around identity? Is it important to feel like someone for our well-being? Well, what do you feel about it? Do you feel it's important to feel like someone? Not really. Okay. I don't think so. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. It's like I look at other people and I, to me, it's like they really they are someone it's like okay i can tell that man is really that type of man and you know you can i can really see people for who they are and i feel like i'm just i don't know it's hard to describe um i feel like i don't have anything to um hang up my identity on i don't know if that's the right expression in english but mm-hmm. Most people have something like their work or they're married or they have kids and they do this and that and they identify with different things. And I don't really do that because I also, I don't want to identify with an illness because that's not me. Those are just symptoms. The reason I asked what do you think is because that's really all that that matters. My opinion on that. Mm. makes no difference to 
to your life. Identities are troublesome. <laughs> yeah. Because they're not real. Yeah. They don't really mean anything. They're, they, But they do give you a container to operate from. And to kind of direct your life from. Yeah. But the difference is, do you think you're the identity or do you realize that you're just using this identity as a way to channel energy, to direct what you need to do here? Mm. For me, there's, there, there's nothing but silence kind of going on inside for the most part in my life on a daily basis. It's just, there's just a lot of space going on. It's not much happening. It's, it's ideal weather. Um, but I also know that for my energy to move in the direction that it feels to move, I need to be seen externally as someone that fits that container so that who I am and what I'm here to bring can be received in a specific way. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll put on the pants and I'll put on the shirt and I'll <laughs> stand and I'll do the movement and the person goes, oh, he's that kind of person. And then they'll be receptive and then I can work with them then I can do what it is that I'm here to do. Mm. So there's two ways of looking at it. Once you know it's bullshit, <laughs> then it's okay. It's like a crazy person knowing they're crazy. Then they're not so crazy. <laughs> You're really only in trouble when you, when you can't see it. And the identity is now doing you. That's when ego comes in. So the fact that you don't feel you have anything to hang on, that's great. So now you can create whatever you want. Yeah, that's true. Because most of us are raised and brought up and we're designed from the external inwards. So people put jackets on our back. Yeah. Hundreds of them. Yeah, I know. I, I've done a lot of work to get rid of them. <laughs> But it's also a bit scary, I think, when when all those things just fall away because it's like, okay, but who am I now? Yeah, you, you, but you're nothing. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that scares the ego. <laughs> yeah, and you're everything. <laughs> yeah. And none of this needs to even make sense because it doesn't. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think that's my analytical brain that wants to understand everything and um, trying to find answers. It's like I'm, I'm caught in a loop of trying to understand things mm -hmm. um, instead of just letting go and just be. Or instead of just enjoying whatever you're consuming, whatever you're eating, whatever you're doing, whatever you're being with. Mm. rather than trying to figure it out experience it directly yeah yeah i can see that it has been um like a huge protective wall for me during my life to be caught up in my thoughts instead of in my body and my feelings 
um, it's been too scary, I think, to handle emotions. So I've been in my head instead. Yeah, because you're trying to handle emotions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't <laughs> handle emotions. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> feel them. <laughs> yeah, I know that now, but I didn't know it for m- many years. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, what are your thoughts on doing subconscious work like hypnosis or taking plant medicine? Like how deep do we need to go to heal? Heal from what? The perceived symptoms. Well, they're perceived. So if there's, yeah. nothing, there's nothing there to heal it's it's coming to the awareness that there's nothing there to heal and this whole process has just been us running away from ourselves and what's actually going on for us all along mm. because we're trying to micromanage something that isn't intended to be micromanaged uh, plant medicine um, I have no issue with it but I don't do it I don't feel to do it I've taken a lot of drugs in my life in the past and yeah, I have no desire to go there because it it doesn't really do the work for you. And I see this trend where people do huge amounts of plant medicine and it's eventually it just becomes drug abuse. It just becomes recreational, it becomes bypassing. Um, But do I feel it can be beneficial and illuminating and can it flick a switch in someone's neurology and the way their chemicals are balanced on a one-off occasion? Yes, for sure. Everything can do that. A good piece of chocolate can do that. Mm. Yeah, you don't got to go to the Amazon for that experience. It's all around (laughs) us. Um, But here's the thing, everything we look to step into, the problem arises when we're putting the cure on that thing outside of us. When we're hoping the thing outside of us is going to fix and change and rewire everything. Hypnosis, that's happening all day, every day anyway. So you just probably should look at your environment and what you're around because whatever you're around is the hypnosis. Whether it's a family member or a partner or whatever you're unconscious with, you're being hypnotized. You're being brainwashed. You're being programmed. Mm. And when you become conscious of it, now you, you stop that process because you see it. Um. Again, I, I don't feel there's any bad to any of these things unless you relate with them in in an unintelligent way, in a way where we put way too much expectation and hope and faith in these things because where we really need to be putting all of that trust is upon ourselves without anything, not even the clothes on our back. Mm. And this is just how I relate with with life. It's all on me. Nothing can come in and save me from anything perceived that I think is is of danger to me. Because I've got nothing to run from. Because if you trust life, if you realize that life is holding you all of the time, your pain, your suffering, your illness, all of this comes from our resistance to life, us pushing life's arms off of us. 
say, no, but I want to be like something else. I want to feel like something else. What if this is your experience here? What if this is what your experience is, is supposed to be? There's nothing to heal. But there's a hell of a lot to surrender to. There's a hell of a lot to learn and to figure out how to stop resisting. Yeah. How do you surrender? I think that's one of my biggest, like the hardest things for me. The first time I experienced true surrender was when I had wasted all of my energy trying to resist it. And I I had no energy left to resist anymore. So the result of that, being absolutely sick and tired of the situation, and the surrender for me came from first exhaustion, uh, then an absolute willingness uh, to die, to whatever I thought was controlling my life or ruining my life in all the ways that I would criticize my life, just being willing to, okay, I can't do this anymore. Like, I can't fight this anymore. I'm so tired of trying to figure this out and be a certain way. So you know what? Fuck it. Put my arms out, fall back. That was my first experience of surrender. There's different levels of it. But ultimately, I feel the deepest form of surrender can really only come from the total unwillingness to resist any aspect of it. You don't try to surrender. You you stop resisting. Surrender is the default. Mm. In my experience, I can't speak for others, but for me, Mm. that's how it feels. And when you realize that you have nothing to do and nowhere to be and nowhere to go, life becomes a hell of a lot easier. When you realize you are in no way in control, you have willpower, you can choose to walk over and pick an apple up and take a bite. But if you're supposed to choke, you'll never stop that. (laughs) (laughs) So realizing how tiny I am on the grand scale of everything, but also how everything is absolutely connected. And how gigantically, magnificently powerful I am. How we all are. It's, it's writing that balance. Saying, well, what, what does life want to do with me today? Yeah. Sure as hell isn't my decision. These are all factors of surrender in a spiritual sense in life. In my experience. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> it's being here. It's being here without needing to be here. But I like to be here. And I want to be here. But I don't need to be here. Mm. Yeah, and I think because I have such a strong will that has been... Uh, keeping me stuck for a very long time Mm. Um, like I want to do so many things and yeah it's been hard for me to to let go of that just listen to okay but what can I do 
not what do I want to do, because that's not really helpful all the time. I'd love for you to start dancing every day. Mm. If that means putting all your other practices on hold, just even just to one song, if that's all you feel you have the life force for right now, just totally. Yeah. yeah, thank you for saying that because I've been thinking about it for a year now, but I haven't done it. I, I mean, yeah, sometimes, but um, I think I've convinced myself that I don't have enough energy to dance. Mm -hmm. And um, that's just bullshit because you don't have to dance like a crazy person. <laughs> this is how you as a woman can make love with yourself every day and charge yourself up and start moving blockages and start feeling your own life force again in greater capacity. Mm. Okay. And if you at any point need any guidance on that, I'm not a woman and I don't dance every day, but I know people who I can recommend that you engage with that can help you. Okay, thank you. Of course. Mm. Um, do you have time for more questions in another area? Yes. Okay. Um, so I want to go into the area of love and relationships, which is a subject most of us think about a lot, I guess. Um, <laughs> maybe not you. I don't know. <laughs> I, tr I try not to think of anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, but like I've been struggling with most romantic relationships throughout my life and especially when I was younger, but I know why now. So I'm not going to ask you any questions about that. But, um, last year I, I dated four married men who were in open relationships and that was very new to me, but it taught Did me a lot Did you say you, you dated four married men? Yeah. Go you. Nice. <laughs> well, it, was, it wasn't four at the same time. It was first one, and then it was three. <laughs> Two. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> talking about I have chronic fatigue. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't see them all like several times a week. That wouldn't have worked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that would have been too much for me. I can't handle that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, that taught me a lot about myself and what, what my wants and needs are and so on. Um, and it has made me question a lot of things about relationships and what my heart longs for and, and things like that. Um, but I'm a bit curious on how you see relationships. Like, would you ever commit to one woman? Of course. I commit to any woman. I'm committing to you right now. Mm. I am absolutely, totally, entirely committed to you right now. There is not an ounce of me anywhere else other than right here with you right now. Mm. 
You see, first we need to break down what you mean when you say the word commitment. Yeah. Anything I step into, I, I am committed to. And if I don't feel like I can be absolutely committed to that, I don't touch it. I don't go near it. Mm. And I feel this is so lacking with men because everything becomes half-assed. I know there's confusion because nothing is clarified. Yeah. So maybe you want to uh, unpack what you mean by commitment, if that's something you feel to go into. Yeah, I think I, I'm just curious because um, most of the men that I was dating like they really wanted to to see other women and stuff like that, but I could feel like they didn't really have the energy for it, mm. and that it was a bit problematic, especially with um, scheduling, you know, dates and stuff like that. And that really made me feel unsafe. Yes. Um, and now I'm only seeing one of them. Um. And I realized how important it is for me with safety because that's something I didn't experience when I grew up. Mm. Um, so to me, it's not even that much about being with a man who's open or not. It's more about how safe I feel with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think in general, I don't know how men are in other countries, but but here in Sweden, I don't think men feel that much as men <laughs> um but maybe this is an international problem it is. Uh, yeah um and it takes me s- such a long time to actually trust someone and i didn't know that when i was younger um and i guess commitment to me means that you really put the effort in and you make time for the person and you keep contact like on a regular basis. And when you're with that person, you're really with that person and no one else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Like the, the, the image I've, I've gotten from you from the podcast is that you don't want to be like in a relationship, like with one person, but, Maybe I'm wrong. No, it's it's not that I don't want to be in a relationship with one person. I just do what I feel to do when I feel to do it. And in one instance, that could look like me being with um, being in an extended time period with one person while not being with any other person intimately, or it could look like me being with one person intimately. And also over here being with another person intimately. But I'm never putting I'm never putting any rules or regulations on how I express my love and my bliss and my joy as a man in this life. Mm-hmm. But what I do is I combine it with authenticity and honesty and and clarity. So people who I'm engaging with fully understand what it is. And what I can offer and what I what I at this moment in time don't feel to offer. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know the answer that I gave you is quite open, uh, but it's the only way I can answer it because it, it no longer even makes sense to me, that question. Mm. I mean, what does it mean to just be with one person? Because there's many people everywhere and you're you're being with, I hope, any person you choose to engage with, you're being with them. And now one person, you may like to put your arms around them and kiss them and be intimate with them and be sexual with them and even share a bed with them. But then when you get up that day and leave the house, you know, have you signed a contract that states you're the person I'm in the bed with and you're the person I utilize my swimsuit area with? you're the person who's only allowed to hold my hand and like has all this been clarified because that's nothing that I'd ever like to sign on a dotted line for because I could walk out that door and a human could walk past me and I could feel so many things in me and my heart could blow up so much that I would have to go and experience that because for me life is experiencing it. And I saw all the ways previously in my life where I was sick and miserable and tired and weak as a man because I never followed my innate essence because I was always trying to do right by everybody around me and live up to those expectations of what's right and wrong in society, which is the monogamous relationship and how that looks and the marriage and the agreements and all of that. And I have no judgment towards that if that is truly what nourishes a person and keeps a person nourished from now to the day that they die. That's what works for them. That's beautiful. And they should do that always. But I just know for me, and I also know for most other people, when they really start to check in and ask themselves, they want different flavors. Because each Mm -hmm. flavor... Uh, gives them a different experience. It satisfies a different part of of their life experience. It doesn't mean that that person to the left is not enough, but you're more complex than that. We're all more complex than that, and intelligence needs variety. So I feel like we pigeonhole ourselves and I'm just sharing with you right now my response to that question in terms of how it, how it is for me. But I am close to nothing. And I'm totally open to the possibility of being with one person and having babies and all that stuff. If that's what my body and my energy chooses at a certain point. But, uh, until that happens, I continue to follow what I feel. Mm. Does that was that clear for you how I respond? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing. Of course. Mm. I'm I'm just curious, like, does it affect you energetically being with several people? Besides from it taking more energy, of course, when more people are involved. <clears throat> well, I'm not really like that. I'm not. I'm never with several people. Uh, just that kind of the one time or the one moment in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other part is the more you start to develop in yourself, the more difficult it becomes to find someone that you can resonate with on these levels. 
So it's almost a blessing because it it there's a lot more space. Whereas before, you know, as a teenager, my early 20s, I could have went out and I could have just found 50 people in seven minutes. <laughs> yeah. I would have been able to lay down with and just do the thing. Mm-hmm. But, but no, it's it's no longer like that in any capacity. So that's the other part of this of this process. And so I just wanted to clarify that part of your question. Um, so your question was, do I do I take things on? Is that what you said? Or um, no, I just asked like if it affects you like energetically if you're being with with several people. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope everything affects me energetically because otherwise what's the point <laughs> uh, I hope the person I go and shake their hand when I meet them at the beach affects me energetically and I hope the waiter greets me in a way that affects me energetically affect me everybody come affect me I want to be affected <laughs> I'm, I'm a sucker for, for all of that I want to be intoxicated <laughs> in my life so yes <laughs> That's mm. the only reason I would ever be with anybody because they absolutely affect me. But we become so afraid of things that we don't fully understand. So you see people writing articles that don't understand certain things, talking about energetic stuff. Like, oh, when you're being with someone, you're taking in all these things and you've got to put a bubble around yourself and you've got to protect your energy and... Yeah, if you're terrified and if you're if you're compromised and if you're weak and if you're not in your own power, then yeah, you may have to do those things, but they won't help you anyway. Mm. We are strong, sovereign individuals. We are powerhouses of life force. But we first got to come home to know that. Nobody can do anything onto me that I don't agree for them to do onto me energetically or physically. Mm. And as long as you're totally filling your home with your awareness, with your felt sense, with your presence, there's no space for anything to get in. Because you're, you're fully at home. You're all there. There's no gaps. Yeah. And when we talk about coming to sex and, and, oh, will I feel all these other things? I hope so. Because that's what a life is about. We get to taste all these different flavors of life. And ideally, we stop fearing it so much so we can really learn from it. I hope that as a woman, when you lay down with a man, that you feel everything that he's about. Everything he's carrying in his life. I hope you feel all of that, whether it feels good or feels bad. Because now, as a woman, you can choose if you want to go there again. You can feel in your body, in your energy, is that good for me? Mm -hmm. This is how life keeps us responsible, accountable, and safe. Yeah. Yeah. I have one more question, if, if that's okay. Yeah. I mean I have I have many more questions but I think <laughs> I think one more is 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 good enough or it's enough I mean <laughs> <laughs> not good enough. <laughs> okay. 
Um, <laughs> okay, so um, I have experienced a lot of disgust towards men during my life. Um, since my mid-teens, I would say, because I have seen so many men, you know, just acting in a disgusting way, like staring at really young girls and and things like that. And just you know driven by their sexual desires and to me now I think that's not really a normal way of behaving as a true man but it's like conditioning and that they haven't been taught other ways to to act um I don't know if you agree with that but um that's my feeling and understanding at this point um but my friend wanted me to ask a thing and I think it goes a little bit along that line um, of being a man. Um, so he he wants to know what you mean by uh, being centered in the genitals as a man, like practically, what does that mean? And what's the danger of opening and focusing on heart love for a man? in general and in interaction with others. Okay, sure. So the genital part for us as men is so much of what identifies us here. It's our instrument. It's what we've been put here with uh, from a physical place, but also very much from an energetical place how our energy works, how it moves, how it circulates. And this part of the body houses our creativity. It naturally, when a man is able to be here from a felt sense, so feeling this part of his body, feeling that he has it, feeling it vibrate through his beingness with it, through his awareness of it, through his ability to be able to breathe into it and feel that energy bubbling up in him. A man who feels his power is powerful. A man who does not feel his power is not powerful. And I don't mean powerful in the sense of domineering or abusing or being manipulative. I just mean feeling powerful inside. The next part of that is how it's channeled. And that comes from maturity. That comes from understanding. That comes from intelligence. That comes from seeing and being and feeling other men who have went through that process themselves who now act as a very clear and clean transmission for that mature masculine energy. An energy that is also connected to heart. From what I say, from balls to heart or from cock to heart. Mm. So the first question in terms of was it how to be here or what's the point of being here? No, he asked like how, yeah, like practically, what does it mean? Well, practically it means just, first of all, even just knowing you have one and spending time with it. Because most men have one and most men use it, but they're always desensitizing it, how they handle it, how they allow women handle it. They're always using friction. They're desensitizing it. They're unable to hold energy here. So they keep ejaculating everywhere all the time. They keep wanting to disperse themselves because what really starts to happen is as a man starts to accumulate in his power center in a part that identifies him so much on the planet from an energetic place, he starts to get antsy. 
because all his childishness starts to get triggered, all his addictive tendencies, because now there's energy generating. He's getting bigger than what he's been used to. And this brings on fear and tension and bracing in him. And now he has to spit it out so he has a moment to just be down in his feminization again. And this is the next question about the heart. A man absolutely needs to be connected to his heart. But he shouldn't move from here. Because there's someone better who can do this better than him. And I'm speaking to one of those people right now. <laughs> You're much better at this, Rebecca, yeah. than I am, naturally. Because I'm not here to hold that frequency in the way that you naturally can hold that frequency. I'm not here to soften and open down in that place the way you're able to do that naturally and the way you have absolutely no choice in many instances. That's just what happens to you when you feel the opposite of that energy being with you. So um, the reason being in the heart is bad is because mostly men are always being guided to be more in your heart, be more in your heart. The women he's with are telling him, be more loving, give me more love. Where she's herself not stepping up in that way. Mm. Where she's more equipped for that. But because she's afraid to be in her heart, in her positive pole, she now wants to call that from the men around her. But what she fails to realize is now she's weakening him and she's making him less of a man from a vibratory standpoint. So when she lays down with him, he won't be able to penetrate her in the way that she needs to feel herself be penetrated in order to feel her heart. Yeah. This is polarity. And the men that we see today who are most manipulative, most uh, power hungry, most using dominance in a way to control people, the abuse, the rape, all this stuff. This is dysfunctionally feminized men who are running amok because they have no connection to their true power, their internal power. And because of this, there's so much fear and pent-up aggression and anxiety and confusion in him that the only way he feels he can get his needs met is to take it from other people. But a man who's able to feel his power and has connected to that part of himself through constant awareness, presence, and consistency, this man doesn't need, even need to get up off the seat to feel pleasure. Because just sitting down, breathing is enough for him to feel his power. And that's enough bliss for him. So a lot of this is about what we feel we need and what we're not getting from ourselves as individuals because we've become so detached from who we are. Yeah. And a man who needs to get up and do less is actually far more arousing to the woman because now she gets to be in motion while he can be still and the stiller he gets the more in motion she can become and the natural polarity takes over uh, i know i veered off but i hope i answered his question in the way that yeah. that he was asking it yeah 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 absolutely yeah, thank you. You're welcome.
Yeah, so I think those were the most important questions for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for asking them. I'm being so honest about yourself and, and just your own process and where you're at. Thank you. Thank you so much for answering them. Of course. <laughs> Jesper, I'm going to tag you back in. Hey, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, that was great. I could relate to so many questions. I feel like we Swedes have a lot in common. <laughs> um, and I, actually, I wrote uh, some things down. I don't know if we have time to put anything, but um, um, there's one thing I want to ask before we, we quit the call. And it was, in the end, you, you, you said that, uh, Rebecca, you said that a lot of men were driven by their sexual desires, well, like in an unhealthy way, looking at younger girls and stuff like that. And uh, then I want to ask Chris, um, how does a man stop being driven by a sexual desire when it's like in this kind of way where he only meets a woman because she has great tits or because, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of kinky. Because um, I've honestly had a problem with that. Like when I look back at my relationship, some women I just met because they had a great body. And I'm kind of embarrassed to, to, commit, uh, to admit that, but that's true. So what is the first step to kind of see, see the person and the woman for, for, for who she really is and not just the, um, yeah, um, the kinky stuff. By leaving ejaculation at the door. It's not sexual desire. It's his desire to ejaculate, to release himself. Man sees, feels, woman Woman has man feeling response in him. Penis goes up. Man wants to release. Because as soon as he releases, now he no longer has that sexual desire for that woman or that person in that way anymore. It's not about sexual desire. It's his desire to release himself because he's not able to sit in his own sexual energy and have domain over it. He's not able to just be in it, relax into it, and let it move through him in a way where it can increase and actually have him become more powerful in himself, more accountable in himself, more conscious in himself. So the first step is first realizing how the man's desire to just come on everything, everywhere, all the time... <laughs> how that is really getting in the way of him carrying out a lot of the, the work that he could be carrying out in his life because it's weakening him. It's not good or bad. It's, it's, it's just weakening him. And if he wants to stay weak, then that's fine. He can keep doing that. So bringing it right back to everything I've ever spoken about, you know, learning to, to, not be in sex just to come and, and just to ejaculate and try to figure out what else is there for us in sex. What, what does it mean to even feel your own sexual energy as a man? How about laying down and, and self-pleasuring as a man without attempting to do it just to ejaculate or to have a finale it that way? How can you lay down and be with yourself to feel yourself, 
to learn about yourself, to stay present in your body, and to deal with all the uncomfortable feelings and the fear and the panic and the emotion that comes up when this energy increases in you. That's how he does his work. So he can get past this point of just seeing women as chunks of meat stuck together. Now, don't get me wrong. He'll do his work and he'll still be able to look at the body of a woman and go, well, that's so beautiful to me. Because for me, it's still one of the most beautiful things that this life has to offer is the body of a woman, how a woman is put together. It's, it's just, it's awe-inspiring. It's inspirational for me. It's so nourishing. But it doesn't mean I'm going to give myself away for it. That's the difference. When a man is willing to kill himself for it, this is why women feel so unsafe. Because he no longer values himself. So he's not safe. Does that make sense? Yes. So beginning the process is just that. Lay down, start to be with yourself. Start to explore your sexuality as a man and your penis and your testicles and your prostate and all these areas of your lower body that you once have been very mechanical about. And you just use them as a tool to get off. What if it was taken away from you, if ejaculation was taken off the table? So you can never ejaculate again. But you still must have sex. So now what is it about? And he will be amazed at what he starts to go through, what he starts to learn about himself, about his partner, about the woman, about his male energy, about female energy, about his inability to even ride her waves at the beginning. Because he has weakened himself so much. So it's not about sexual desire, it's about sexual domain. And that is, can you feel it without the need to dissipate it? Can you just enjoy feeling it? That's my response. Good one. <clears throat> Thank you. Mm -hmm. So... Um... Rebecca, you feel like you want to say something more before we quit the call? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, I just want to say thank you again. That's all. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for being on. And it was, I really enjoyed listening to your questions and also the answers from Chris. And I hope it helped you in any way and for, for the listeners as well. It surely helped me. I've been writing down a bunch of stuff that I'm going to carry with me from this. Um, so that's it for today, then I guess. Um, right. You have anything more, Chris? Yeah, I was going to ask you. Anything? I mean, there's there's a million things I could say right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Based, maybe it's, <laughs> based on what's going on, uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> just everybody panic. Yeah, just just everybody panic, panic more. <laughs> You're not panicking enough. Panic more. <laughs> the world is fucked. We're all fucked. Everything is everything's a mess. But on a more serious note. 
just whatever relaxes you, whatever helps you just let go of all this noise that's going on everywhere. Do more of that and, and keep it simple because fear is a hell of a drug and it's, it's really not good for our bodies and, and our minds and everything to do with us being alive. So whatever brings you peace and quiet and respite from all of this stuff, then do it. If that means turning the news off, do it. Turning Facebook off, do it. Uh, but yeah, you got to be sweet to yourself right now because there's a lot of collective panic everywhere. And this will blow over quite soon. And hopefully we'll all look back at it and go, ah, okay. <laughs> I think we panicked. <laughs> so that's it. Rocket science. Nice. <laughs> um, cool. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Thanks again, everybody who listened. And thanks, Rebecca, a lot for being on. Um, and and I guess if... Uh, oh, yeah. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> if anybody <laughs> want to be on in the future, you can reach out to Chris. I guess it's awake. Chris at awakenintent.com. Am I right? Yes. And you can also send me Jesper Malmberg on Facebook if you want to be here and we'll put you in sometime. Um, if it fits. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. Thank you. And see you next week or month or whenever it's going to be. All right. See you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.